Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We're so glad you joined us today. If you've been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this week's message. Trust God in these moments, and today's message, not that I planned to align it in such a way, but the title of today's message is simply this, Living Boldly. Living Boldly. Living boldly. See, many of us live life in a safe zone as much as we can control it. We, we would prefer, am I right, to live in a safe zone. Why? Well, there's margin, there's comfort, uh, there's no fear perhaps of, of being wounded. Maybe you've built some walls between you and people and, and you just say, this is my Invisa Square, stay away. And we, we get comfortable living in a safe zone um, it's, or it's like taking a side road instead of the highway. I remember my mom, um, she didn't learn to drive until later, and she was never a confident driver. I still don't know why. Um, apparently, back in the day, if you would pay your instructor a little more money, they would pass everybody. This is what I was told, and I'm, I guarantee you that's how my grandfather got his license. Because <laughs> every time my, grandma, my grandmother would yell at him, Tony, what are you doing? And he'd go, so in the middle of the intersection, he would slam the brakes every time. But thankfully, I'm still alive. Um, and, my, and my mom, though, just didn't have that confidence. So instead of taking the highway, which would be the quickest way or the, the, the quickest from A to B at least, uh, she would always take the side roads. And I'd say, Mom, why? She goes, I, I'm just I'm scared. I'd rather be safe. So safe zones. Uh, at my mom's funeral, this is, I'm, I was trying to think of an example, and I, this, I thought this, you'd probably find humor in it from, at my expense. Um, one of my friends said, is there anything you need? And, you know, we were in line, and there are people, you know, coming to greet the family. And I said, Give me a big bottle of hand sanitizer. Because I, not that I'm a germaphobe, or I was, but it's just, it, you know, I just, I said, just that's what I want right now, more than anything else. And it wasn't for my hands, though. When I got it, I put it on my face from all the kissing. And, and I didn't, like, I couldn't tell if it was people's sweat or tears because it was the middle of July. And I thought, I just feel so gross. And there were, like, th- over 3,000 people came that day. Again, my safe zone at that point, I was like, give me some hand sanitizer. Um, and I think of, in a, in a slightly different way, when we're talking about living boldly, that, you know, sometimes it is good to be safe, and sometimes we just need some time in the safety uh, or in the shelter, even in God's shelter. But I want to submit to you a thought today that sometimes oftentimes maybe, life is better lived when we step out into unfamiliar territory. Maybe it's unsafe to say, and and we just live a bit more in this bold, unknown realm. And I think of this, there's an illustration, you've probably heard it, about a giant, big, fully grown elephant that's tied to a little peg in the ground with a little rope. And if you've never heard that illustration, this is, the guy goes, I'm, I'm just, I'm still perplexed. How does this strong, giant elephant, how, how are you holding him down just by this little peg with this little rope around his ankle? 
And so the elephant keeper said, well, actually, it's very simple. From birth, we begin to tie this little elephant and his leg to the, the peg. And guess what? When he's small and little, he can't get out. And we continue to do it every single day. So now even as this elephant has grown up big and strong, his mind has been conditioned to say, I can try all I want. I know nothing will change. How many of you know that if the elephant would just try a little harder, that he would break free and he could enjoy the freedom of life? You agree? Say amen. Right? Oftentimes... We live life like that. Maybe you can call it your safe zone or the, the invisible square or the invisible bubble that you feel safe in. But I submit to you that maybe life is better experienced on the outside of that. Not all the time, spending all your time just in unknown territory, but taking a risk. And when I say risk, I actually mean a faith-filled risk. A God-ordained step of faith into the unknown territory that might be in front of you. Living boldly. And I, I want to read with you today out of Matthew chapter 14. If you can stand to your feet with me and turn to Matthew 14. We're going to spend some time. It's not a, an unfamiliar story if you grew up in church. But I want to just look at some things that maybe we don't often consider when we hear the story of Peter walking on the water. So if you have your Bible, Matthew chapter 14, verse 22, and it says this, Immediately after this, what was the this? Well, the feeding of the 5,000. So Jesus miraculously provided food with uh, just five loaves and two fish. And so immediately after this, that, that experience, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Verse 24, so this is like, that's where Jesus is at. Now we're going to get a glimpse of his disciples on the boat. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, get this, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the, the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I am here. And then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Verse 31, Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? And when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped, and then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the Son of God, they exclaimed. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word today. Lord, I pray that we would, that you would take us today, maybe from a place of comfort, 
to a place where we are not afraid to live boldly for you. And Lord, I just break everything off of people today that would keep them where they are and keep them from where you want us to be. And so, Father, we thank you. I ask for your anointing now upon me, that it would cover me from head to toe, anoint my mind, my lips, and my heart, that I might speak your word with authority, but I approach it with humility. And I thank you for this opportunity we have today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We often, if you've heard this story before, always say, oh yeah, Peter walked on water. Even though we say that, the conclusion in all of our mind is, but he sunk. But he sunk. He tried, but he sunk. You see, we often associate the story with that ultimate reality that he was sinking and he needed Jesus' saving hand. But here's what I submit to you. We must remember that despite the fact that he's, he did sink, we can't change the reality or the fact, we can't change what Scripture says, but he is also the only one with bragging rights. In what, what sense? Well, he could say, hey, while you guys stayed in the boat, I was the one who walked on the water. You see that? We don't often consider the reality of that, that he literally walked on the water. Can I humanly explain it? Absolutely not. I cannot explain it. But what I do know is he did it and only when Jesus said, yes, come. Yes, come. So here's the thing as we get into this story today. Don't just say, oh, Peter, yeah, he sunk when he tried to walk on the water. But actually open up your mind a little more and say, he sunk, yes, but he was the only one besides Jesus who ever walked on water. And I think that's pretty amazing because he was willing to live boldly. Peter was a bold guy. And so in verse 22, let's just go through a bit of it so we can digest it a little. It says that immediately after that miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, it was actually Jesus who insisted, guys, get in the boat, you, you need to go. And here's the reason why. Because of the big miracle of provision that they saw and experienced, all the people were ready and, and wanted to do it quickly. They wanted to make Jesus a political ruler. They're like, this guy is incredible. Like, he can take care of the people. Like, we, and so Jesus, before like, the crowds were about to start on this tear, he just says, okay, you guys go, and then I'm going to go off and pray. And so that's what happened. So Jesus insisted just to keep them safe and out of you know, all the crowd, the mob of people. So remember that. It was Jesus who said, what? Get in the boat and go. And so verse 23, it tells us about Jesus. Where is he? He's up in the hills and he's praying and, and night falls. So it's dark, it's night, and that's where Jesus is. And in verse 24, note the, the description that it gives us. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble. But, but Jesus told us to do this. But now we're in trouble. And it says also this, they weren't near the shore. Verse 24 is very clear that they were far away from the land. Why is that important? Well, because when Jesus is walking on the water to them, you see, if it was closer to the shore, 
man would come up with a whole bunch of reasons as to how it was possible for Peter, not Jesus, but for Peter to be able to walk. Well, there must have been like a sandbar or some stones or something. It was just an illusion or a trick for us. No, no, no. They were, they were far out. And or else, I mean, if they were close, let's be honest, they wouldn't be so afraid, right? They would just say, okay, guys, let's just abandon ship and let's get back to the shore. We're not too far. They didn't say that because they were far from the land. So let me just, we're going to build on this progression. So number one, Jesus insists, get out of here, guys, go. They're there. They're far away from land. And now they are in trouble. I don't know if you've ever heard the Lord or maybe you said, I'm pretty sure this is you, God. And you've stepped out, out of that safe zone maybe. And, but all you found was trouble. I don't know. I think I've had a few of those life experiences, and I'm like, God, where are you? I thought you were the one who said, do this or go, but where are you? And, and here's the important thing, and I submit this thought to you. Jesus is not that far away. He's closer than you think. And what happens here is that they begin to see, in the midst of this storm, a figure. Now, it's 3 a.m., it's dark. Maybe there's moonlight. So just try to envision the picture. There's like the winds, is, they're in trouble, the scripture describes it as. And they see this figure, and it's maybe a shadow or something. And so naturally, they're not near the shore, so they are terrified. And they are saying, what is going on? Who, like, what is this that we see? And they are afraid. They are literally afraid. Afraid of the storm because they're in trouble? Yes. But now for what they see with their eyes in the midst of all of this. And so Jesus, in verse 27, he actually speaks to them. He speaks to them. And I love how scripture describes it. I just want to look at that for a second. As they're crying out, it's a ghost and they're afraid. Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid. And this is what he says, take courage, I am here. Or another translation might say, the I am is here. But he says, take heart or take courage, I am here. Do you know what that phrase, take heart, actually means? It's an assurance for those who have good reason to call out. They have a good reason because they are in trouble. It's not that they're just saying, I made a mess of my life, help. No, they have a good reason. So he's saying, take heart. Don't worry. Take heart. I am here. He's not saying the crisis isn't real. It's okay. Forget about it. He's acknowledging what you're experiencing is real danger. But don't be afraid. There's no room for fear where Jesus is near. Can you say amen? Amen. So Jesus is always closer than you think. You see, in his presence, uh, fear is dismissed. In his presence, fear is dismissed. Let's think about some characters in the Bible for a second. I think of Moses, who had the task of leading Israel out of slavery from, from Pharaoh's grip. You think it was easy? Think it was fun? Absolutely not. Moses tried to use the excuse of, ah, I stutter, right? We all know that. I, I usually say that, and I usually show you the example of me stuttering to prove that. 
And he had to go, not only that, the ten plagues. And not only that, once they're running, then there's the Red Sea. Like, let's talk about living boldly for a little bit. Hey, God, I thought you were in this. And he's like, I am. I am that I am. And I am in this. So then he gave instruction for every single thing that would come their way. So that's a little example of Moses. And then we could look at, at Daniel. Daniel was thrown into the lion's den because he decided, I'm going to live boldly for you, God. I'm going to live boldly. Even if it meant being thrown in the lion's den, take heart. Take heart. It's a reassurance that, no, what you're experiencing, this is real danger, but know that I'm nearby and I'm, I'm close. You're not alone in this. And this is what Jesus wants the church to know today. So we have Daniel. What about his buddies, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Right? They refused to worship, but they want to worship God. So they don't bow to the idol, to the statue. Nope. They hear the music. They say, nope. We're all, we only bow our knee to the one true God. And they're thrown into the fiery furnace. And the beautiful thing is this. Is it real trouble? You bet. Did they die? Nope. In fact, when they were looking, they're like, didn't we throw... Three guys, why do we see four? You see, Jesus is closer than you expect or closer than you think. Live boldly. Are you willing to do it? Live boldly. Well, what about New Testament? Paul, he says, I was beaten. I was shipwrecked. I was left for dead. I was stoned. Not like, right? That's not in the Bible. He was stoned to kill him. And yet he said, wow, here I am, Lord, I'm your servant. Let my life be like a drink offering poured out for you. My life's worth nothing to me, he says, unless I use it for you and for your glory. That was Paul. Live boldly. What was Paul doing before? Does anyone remember? He was killing Christians. And God took him from doing that to now preaching the gospel. Preaching the gospel. Talk about living boldly. I mean, the Christians were actually afraid of him. They're like, are you going to kill us? He's like, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm one of you now. We're, we're on the same team now. And that was Paul. What about Jesus? What about Jesus? Jesus came to earth, put on flesh, left royalty, walked just like you and me, and then gave his life for you and for me. Talk about living boldly. Don't, don't think Jesus was like, I got this. Don't worry. I mean, he, he did have it. He has our back and he still does. But he did pray. Let's not forget in the garden where he said, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, let your will be done, not mine. And he didn't pray just once. The gospel shows us he prayed it three times. So it's almost like, Lord, if, if there's a way, but nevertheless, your will be done. But Jesus knew his purpose, and he chose to live boldly. But, but he had a little moment there where he was like, God, this is hard. I'm going to lay down my life. Live boldly. So we talked about a lot of the Bible characters. But let me ask you, are you willing to live boldly? What about you? What's keeping you from living in this unknown? Maybe it's your past experience. Maybe you've had some, some good experiences 
where you stepped out and God met you and everything worked out. But maybe you've had some other experiences where you stepped out and you fell flat on your face and you're like, God. So now you just are content staying in the safe zone and that's pretty much where you stay. Life, if I can be honest, because I've spent some time, I've spent some time in the safe zone. Life gets a little boring. Your relationship with God gets a little stagnant, like, like a pool of water that there's no life in it. It just begins to stink. And you're like, what's, what's the point? Like, why? And then, and then you come to church and you hear a message about how we have the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of you. But then you're still feeling like I'm just living in a bubble. And, and that's not God's plan for your life. I believe there's more for you. I believe there's more for Weston. But the question is this. Are we willing to step out and to live boldly? Because don't say yes right away. But to live boldly is to say, Lord, I don't know what is waiting for me when my foot steps out. Right? We're going to get back to our text now because Peter is about to ask an incredible question to Jesus that changed everything in this story. Before we get there, Joshua chapter 1, verse 6 and 9. Here's one more, and I really want to read this. He's one example that I think is, is a mighty one in Scripture. And here's what the Lord told young Joshua, who now was following under Moses' footsteps on the journey to the promised land. And, and he was a young leader who needed a lot of encouragement to live boldly and lead God's people. And this is what God was saying to him in verse 6 of Joshua chapter 1. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. In verse 7 again, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be, what is it, successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command for the third time in three, in three or four verses. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Jesus is closer than you think. Now, so if God told Joshua, you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. I mean... That would be enough instruction, right? You're, Joshua, you're going to be the one to do this. Pretty simple. But don't overlook the fact that in four short verses, three times it says, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, be strong and courageous. Well, whoever said it was going to be easy? He said, Joshua, you will do it. But I, nowhere in there do we read that it's going to be easy. So what does he tell him? As a young person, ready to step out and live boldly, this is what he says. Be strong and courageous. And it's emphasized three more times. And do not be afraid or discouraged. And it ends, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And so here's Peter. 
They hear the voice, Jesus. We're back in Matthew chapter 14 now. Jesus says, don't worry, take heart, I am here with you. And you know what Peter does? Like, I don't know where his head was. Who would think that it's a good opportunity to say, Jesus, if it's really you, tell me to step out of this boat and I'll do it. Like, who would say that? What normal person would do that? In the middle of the storm, they're terrified. But yet Peter knew that with Jesus, all things are possible. With Jesus, I don't care what everything around me says, but I can do what he says I can do. So that's the important part. I can do what he says I can do. So what happens? Jesus, I want to read it so I don't twist it. Peter called out to him, verse 28, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. So he's saying, you tell me. And this is Jesus' response. Yes, come. <laughs> yes, come. I think Jesus honors faith. Can you say amen if you believe that? Jesus honors faith. And so, and I love Peter because he didn't just talk it. He actually did what he said. So when Jesus says, yes, come, he obeys and he does it. And he steps out and this is awesome. He's walking on water. Can you imagine what the disciples in the boat are thinking? They're probably like, what about us? We're in trouble still. Because the storm didn't stop yet. It never said in scripture yet that the, the water quieted down and everything was cool. And then he stepped out. How many of you would prefer that method, right? It's all quiet. The waters are still. Jesus says, okay, come. Live boldly. Come, follow. Come, step out. And we're like, oh, okay, okay. Oh, nice and smooth water now. No, it was still rough water. They were still in trouble. And Peter has this audacious request. Lord, if you tell me, I'll do it. And he's like, yes, come. And Peter steps out and he's walking on water. Peter's response is a great example of, of what it means to live boldly. His excitement and his enthusiasm in this part is unmistakable, if you ask me. Perhaps we can relate with Peter's impulsive but yet vulnerable personality. I mean, he wasn't perfect. He had a lot of faults in him. But, but he had some good qualities about him like this. The impulsive nature can be bad, if you have a credit card, let's say. But with Jesus, that impulsive nature can open doors of opportunity that you would otherwise have never experienced or known that were there. I mean, if you wouldn't have asked, he would have never, Jesus would have never said, come. And he would have never stepped out on the boat. You might say, okay, but he just walked on water and then he sunk. But it's the principle of being willing to live boldly and how Jesus is in the midst of all of that. And so let's just look at this. When Peter's asking him, Lord, if you want, tell me to come out and I will. There, think about it. There are two possible natural outcomes, right, from this request. Walk on water or sink. Walk on water or sink. So Peter goes over the side of the boat and he walks on the water toward Jesus. And then verse 30, but when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified. It's almost like for a moment... All of that fear was gone when, when he saw Jesus. All the fear was dispelled, gone. And he, he could do the impossible at Jesus' command to come. 
And then the moment he took his eyes off of Jesus and realized once again the, the, the environment was not favorable to be out on the water, forget walking on it, just being out on a boat. When he be, his mind began to process, wait a minute, this is not normal. He began to sink. And here's the thing. We might say, see, ah, Peter, if you'd have just stayed in the boat. But here's what I love. In his distress now, Jesus reaches out his hand and saves him. You see, why is that important? Well, because if we are to live boldly, we're not promised that it's going to be a bed of roses or it's going to be a pretty journey. Think of Joshua, that example. Be strong and courageous. You're going to need courage. But here's the beautiful thing. Even when you fall flat on your face, because sometimes it happens, guess what? Jesus' hand is always ready. All you have to say is, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. That's the beautiful part about living boldly. It's unknown, but you have still access to your Savior who's ready to help you and pull you up and bring you back. You see, the storm is still going on. The storm is still going on. They finally get back in the boat, and once they're back in the boat, the Bible tells us that everything gets calm again, and they begin to worship Jesus because they're like, who is this man and this power? They're amazed at his ability because even over nature, he has authority and power over it. And so today, church, friend, what is that area in your life where God is asking you to live boldly, to take a step of faith? What is that area? I can't tell you what it is unless God would reveal it to me. Then I would gladly share it with you and say, this is what I feel the Lord has shown me for your life. But I won't be there tomorrow when you get up to, to have your morning coffee. I won't be there Monday night after a hard day of work. I won't be there maybe for that moment when you're taking that first step to live boldly for him. But here's what you need to know. Jesus is there. I'm driving home that point because we can't always rely on people because the disciples were so close, but they were useless in that moment. You might rely on people and maybe that's why you're stuck here in the safe zone because people fail people. But my friend, Jesus never fails. The Bible says he's a friend who sticks closer than a brother and brothers are pretty close usually. And this is our Jesus. And this is our God. There are two schools of thought around this story that I want to just bring to light for us. You see, some people look at this story and they say, well, Peter's proposal to Jesus, you know, hey, come, if you call me, I'll come. Peter's proposal teaches the disciples to expect to share his master's power. And in obedience to his call to do that which is naturally impossible. So that's one way to look at the story. That, and that's the message I'm bringing today. And there's another school of thought that looks at this and say Peter's proposal is careless. And it's childish. And Jesus only said yes to teach him by his own mistake. Because he did say, like, where was your faith? Why did you doubt? And there are people who believe that this was only there, like, let him go through the hard situation of, you know, sinking to teach him a lesson. 
And I don't believe that that is what God does in our lives. I mean, he allows us to go through experiences, yes, to learn and, and to grow and to glean from our past failures. But I have to believe that God is a God who always calls us to move forward. And so as we understand that about him, I think this is a, a sure way to say, no, no, Peter, who was very courageous to do this, I mean, if you could walk on water, surely you could stand up on the day of Pentecost and preach the first sermon and see 3,000 people saved in Jesus' name, right? And this is what happens. By the way, today is Pentecost Sunday. It happens, Penti means 50, 50 days after we would call Easter Sunday for us today, um, leading all the way up to Acts chapter 2, Pentecost. So they were waiting for the promise of the Father. And here's the best part. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Wait for the promise of the Father, and you shall receive power. You shall receive power to be, what? My witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. So we have power to live boldly. Did you know that? You have power to live boldly, for he's given it to us already. Today is Pentecost Sunday, and I don't know if that means anything to you, but read Acts chapter 1 and read Acts chapter 2, and you see how the Holy Spirit showed up, and you're going to find Peter in there stepping to the forefront when, when everyone's like, whoa, what's going on? What's, what's happening here? Peter stands up, and he preaches his first sermon. 3,000 people are saved and added to the church that day. I, I think that's, that's bold. That's bold preaching. That's bold living. But I personally think it didn't just happen. I think it was a little series of little bold steps for Peter that would lead to this moment of opportunity. So again, my question to you is, what area of your life is God calling you to live boldly? And number two, do you trust Jesus enough to step out? Do you trust Jesus enough to step out? I've been reading a book from Hillsong's pastor, Brian Houston, called There Is More. And I've personally been greatly encouraged by that book. And in reference to this story of Peter walking on the water, he kind of quickly just painted a little picture. He didn't spend too much time on it, but, but it really stuck with me, which was where this message was birthed out of. But he said, consider this, the thousands on the shore, the disciples in the boat, and then Peter, who actually walked on the water. And you could identify yourself in any one of those three categories. And I believe maybe if you're one of those on the shore, the thousands of people there that, that he was like sending away, maybe you need to get in the boat. Maybe that's your first step to living boldly and say, God, I'm going to trust you at your word. What did Jesus say? He insisted they get in the boat, number one. But then, at his word, Peter steps out of the boat. And maybe you're there and you've stepped out and you, you've, you've, you're here by faith and God, you've seen God do things in your family or in your own personal life. But maybe God's saying, you've become comfortable with those around you. I'm calling you to step out a little further. I'm calling you to step out a little further. And now I'm asking the Lord for Weston. Lord, we've been here for 35, how many years? Some, someone, Pat knows the answer, I'm sure. But since the early 80s, we've been in this location, in Emory Village, 
and, and maybe we've become a little comfortable. This is our boat. And maybe God is, is just saying, hey, Weston, are, are you ready? Are you willing to step out and live boldly in our community and in our city and take some ground for the kingdom? And, and I'm serious. You might look at me and say, well, pastor, good for you, but we're not quite there yet. Well, listen, if Jesus is going to lead us to do anything, we have to follow, and we will follow. This is my, my guarantee and my promise to God. Lord, whatever you ask us to do, may we do it. And so it's an open page right now for our future, I'd say that. And we're believing. So I'm just saying, Lord, what do you have for our church? And I'm just being very transparent with you from a leadership perspective. Because we have this great place. We renovated it. It's great. I know today's a long weekend. And there might be some people away. And I'm not talking about like filling every pew. I'm talking about seeing people saved. Because you can fill a church for a rock concert if you want. I mean, you could say, we're going to give everyone Starbucks coffee. And we could fill out the place. But what we're actually after is people find Jesus. That's what it's all about. And so as a church, let's begin praying and saying, God, what's, what's our step to live boldly as a church? It's great that we've been here. I mean, we've been here, and people used to ring the doorbell and say, uh, I'm just curious, like, what, what is this building? And they're like, I've lived here for about 15 years. And I just, I've never known, I was like, in my head, I'm like, you don't know? It's a church. But maybe it's not apparent to people on the outside. I mean, now, with the windows and such, it's more identifiable from the street. And wait for another week or so, and we'll have a great identifier straight on the roof of our church with a cross, with a lit up LED light that people from those buildings and all around, because we sit in the little valley of Weston, that they'll see the light shining in the darkness. And this is our heart. It's our, it's our heart cry and our heart's prayer that Weston can be used as God sees fit. Not as man sees fit, but as God sees fit. And I'm, I'm young, and maybe that's why, but I'm willing to be bold. And whatever God leads us to do to take more ground for his kingdom, may we do it in Jesus' name. Will it be easy? No. I was waiting for you to say no. Right? Joshua chapter 1. Be strong and courageous. Why? Because it's not easy. But be strong and courageous. And God is with us every step of the way. You see, we've been called to leave a mark. And my prayer is as you step out to live boldly, you will leave your mark. You will leave a mark. I think of Steve Jobs who said, uh, we're going to make a dent in the universe as a company. We're, we want to make a dent in the universe. And I'm thinking, okay, for technology, that's awesome. How much more as believers do we want to not just make a dent, we want to transform the world as we know it for Jesus. Can you say amen today? Would you stand to your feet with me as we get ready to live boldly? It's not easy. I would be a liar if I preached this whole message and said, okay, go, go and do it. God is with you. You're going to have a blast. Go. No, I'm, I love you enough to tell you the truth. And scripture tells us the truth as well. Be strong and courageous. Even though you might feel like quitting or not doing it or not going through with it, be strong and courageous. 
Jesus is closer than you think. But pastor, what if it doesn't work out as planned? Call on him. If Jesus is leading you to do it, then you know he's close. And you know he's going to be able to help you. But that's the condition. You have to trust Jesus. And you have to only move when he says move. Again, Peter said, if you tell me to come, I will come. And then he, he said, yes, come. And Peter does it. May we have that kind of faith. Not that we have to think and process everything. Because the waters would have never been favorable in the midst of that storm to, to get out. May we not just calculate every decision and process everything with pen and paper. Sometimes the step of faith in the natural is, is actually a stupid decision on paper. But sometimes it's what God is asking you to do. You do it. But use discernment. And if you're not sure if this is God or not, then wait for confirmation. Wait till you have peace. Wait till you hear. Wait till you know. Amen. Amen. My prayer is that the message today is not something that we just come to an altar and we say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Great word. And we walk out of here. This is something you have to digest. This is something you have to, if you take notes, I encourage you, read through them tonight. If you don't take notes, this will be on our website or on iTunes if you search Weston Road. Find the podcast. Listen to it again. But begin to ask the Lord, Lord, what areas in my life are you calling me to live boldly? What areas also am I finding safety in that I need to actually break free? Think of the elephant and think of how you might be held back by just a little tiny thing that you've been conditioned to think is normal. And God is calling you saying, no, just take a step. Come on, do it. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you today. I thank you today, Father, for your word. Lord, I thank you for the example in Scripture of all the faithful men and women who have simply said yes to living a bold life, living a life of faith. Lord, I even think of the disciples. None of them died a pleasant death. None of them. They suffered for your name's sake. They lived boldly, but they transformed the world. And they were obedient to what you asked them to do. Father, I thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit as we do honor today the fact that it's Pentecost Sunday. Lord, as we prayed for our young people on the weekend to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, Lord, I pray for every single person here that they would receive, Lord, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Why? It's a baptism for power to be an effective witness in this world. And so, Father, I pray that as we leave this place, we would, number one, be encouraged to live a courageous life, but also in the face of knowing it won't be easy, Father, we also are encouraged to know that you are near us and you're right beside us and you're always there to help. And so, Father, today I just pray that you would stir our hearts, that you would spur us to action. That, Father, whatever areas are in our life that we need to live boldly and maybe take a step into the unknown, that we would do it, not in our strength and not in our own name, but in the name of Jesus and in the strength that comes from your Holy Spirit. Lord, even if there's anyone here who is business-minded, and I just feel led to pray this specific prayer, 
that if they've been uh, contemplating what to do, should I start this business? Is this the right thing? Father, that you would speak to them now, that you would hear the, all, all the calculations, you know all the, the math, you know how everything looks on paper. But Father, I pray you would speak your will into those situations. And Father, we thank you that when we are obedient to your voice, Lord, it also leads to the path of blessing. So I thank you, Lord, for the obedience of faith. And I pray that we would be a church that is courageous, that is not afraid to be bold, and that we would live boldly as a church, that we would take ground for your kingdom. And Father, I'm, I'm echoing the words of Ruth from last week, that where you go, we go as a church. Father, we follow your voice as your sheep. So where you go, we go. Where you stay, we will stay. And Father, what you do, we will do. And I pray that this would be the heart of Weston and the heart of every person here as we leave today. God, now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of your Holy Spirit be with us in the remainder of this long weekend. In Jesus Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life, and we want to hear about it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westonroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.